Hey there, welcome to America on Tap, a weekly podcast discussing the issues affecting my generation, your generation, and our neighbor's generation, all while enjoying a cold beer. As usual, this is your host, Juan Franco speaking. Welcome till back. JK, I can't even pretend I know how to pronounce all that. That was Welcome Back in Danish, and I hope that gave you a good tip into what this episode is all about. As I've mentioned before, I lived in Copenhagen, Denmark for a while, and man oh man was here a transformative life experience. I've always been fascinated by the concept of the American dream, and today we'll explore how it compares and contrasts with something I like to call the Danish dream. In order to do so, I invited two of my good friends to come discuss their experiences, Agnes and Henrik, and I'll let them introduce themselves in a bit. Lados come in the debt. Okay, that's the last of me speaking Danish, I promise. I just said, let's get into it. Welcome to the show, guys. Uh, so how about you guys share a bit about who you are and what you're drinking tonight uh, to get us started. We can go with you, Agnes, if you want first. Okay, uh, my name's Agnes. I'm drinking a deliciously refreshing uh, Summer's Bee Apple Cider, uh, and I am an American living in Denmark now for uh, one year. Perfect. Yeah, I do miss, I do miss uh, that cider you're drinking. It's one of the highlights of Copenhagen. It's so great. Yes, it's beautiful. How about you, Henrik? Uh, I'm Henrik, as you, okay, you did just say that. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm drinking an amazing bit called Trumpet, Lager Against Torture. Uh, I think the proceeds go to the Danish Institute Against Torture. And it's made in Nürbel in, in Copenhagen. And it's actually, it's tasting pretty good. So uh, wow. it's not just a naughty beer. So wow, that's what... tremendous. <laughs> you know, our last podcast was just about how we can't escape the rhetoric of politics here in the US. But it seems like even in Denmark, you can't get away from all that stuff. Uh, even when so, you yeah, yeah, no, not at all. Even when you're drinking, yeah. So tonight I'm drinking Budweiser because I thought, you know, I'm interviewing to people living in Copenhagen. So I thought they may just have only Danish beer and I should represent America in some capacity. But now right. I feel... Like, I should have made a better choice. Uh, but that's what I'm drinking. Uh, so as they say in Denmark, skal, which for you non-Danish speakers, including myself, that means cheers. So let's get started uh, with a conversation tonight. So why talk about Denmark on this podcast? Uh, being completely honest with everyone, Copenhagen was probably one of the best times of my life. And I think Agnes probably agrees with yeah, that time sure. we were there. Uh, it's, a, it's a beautiful city, very relaxed, life balance, you know, perfectly nice locals. I mean, Henrik being one of them. That, you know, very advanced education and cultural offerings and, and you know, evidently very, very good beer, uh, as you can see from the, the scope of this conversation. So I guess my first question for you guys is, I ended up going there to enhance my education, but let's talk about how it is that you guys find yourself living in Copenhagen. We can start with Agnes and then go to Henrik. Okay, well, um, as you've already said, we have studied mm -hmm. here together. Mm -hmm. uh, I came here for an exchange in 2016, and then a little bit cliche, but I ended <laughs> up meeting a guy. She fell in and, love. Yeah, those Danish guys. Yeah. Under a spell. And then uh, when I finished my education in my bachelor in the U.S., I decided that I would come back and um, live in Denmark, in Copenhagen since, specifically. Yeah. So, yeah, I fell yeah. in love. Awesome. Henrik? Uh, all right. Okay. So uh, I'm British. I grew up in, I'm half British, half Danish. I grew up in London. And so I moved across when I was 18 to Copenhagen to study because 
it's free university as opposed mm-hmm. to quite expensive mm-hmm. in London. And just because it's quite nice here. And so then I sort of stayed, as you do. Perfect. You know, you both have kind of somewhat similar, you know, seeking education or, or not, uh, reasons for moving to Denmark. But what was your experience arriving in Copenhagen, having a different cultural background up your sleeve? So in Agnes's case, American and then British for Henrik. How was that transition from your own culture to Danish culture? For me, I didn't really know what to expect at all. Um, all I had known before was everyone always hears that Denmark is the happiest place in the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I, I really didn't know. And um, I didn't necessarily expect there to be too many differences, but I was pleasantly surprised with the differences that yeah. I noticed. I, from the start, when I stepped off the plane into the metro, I thought that I was going into the future because <laughs> I couldn't believe how innovated all the public transport yeah. and how the city looked and I feel like as an American also um, I was also surprised with how quiet some things were. Oh yeah, you're if, right about if that. If you know what I mean, yeah. yeah. yeah people a little bit more um, reserved until mm-hmm. you get a beer in their hand. So I think those were the maybe the first things that I noticed right off the bat. Yeah, I, I agree with that, especially the metro part. I mean, the, the driverless metro in Copenhagen is just It seems like something straight out of Back to the Future or something like that. Yeah. It's but I incredible. Think, and, and I think that also um, kind of to speak on something, you know, that is more representative of the people. I think mm-hmm. that I I know I quickly realized, too, that I thought people lived a very, you know, free and open life here. Yeah. Really doing sure. what they want, um, being able to figure out who they are and um, really being themselves. That's something that I thought yeah. I really noticed right away. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. Uh, Henrik, how about you? I, I, I don't know about it because I've sort of I've grown up in this sort of pseudo Danish mm-hmm. like household. My mother's Danish. We had this sort of cultural Danishness in our family, even though we grew up. In, I grew up in London, and of course, I traveled a lot to Denmark. My brother lived here before, so I visited him a lot. Went out drinking with him, and <laughs> so coming here, I guess, wasn't this huge cultural shock. Mm. Uh, But it was still, and of course it's difficult for me to say because it was also, I moved out, I moved away from home at the same time as I moved away from like London. So it's difficult for me to split the cultural shock of moving away from home and moving to Copenhagen. I'm I'm not, I can't, I can't really answer it beyond that. Yeah, I I understand. Yeah, because yeah, you grew up in a, you grew up in your own, in your own home culture, your family culture included parts of Denmark that you probably saw when you moved to Copenhagen. And so it wasn't really surprising for you. But 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 I like how excited you guys all are about Metro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and the fact is, twenty four hour because coming from London, where it sort of stops at midnight, it's it's a yeah. godsend. Yeah, yeah it, it, it was no, actually really it's nice. It's incredible. It's incredible. Yeah. So I guess you know this is a good point for this next question. So you know we talked a little bit about the surprises, but were there other particular things you were just like, I never thought Denmark was going to be like that, and you know, and and to give you an example, I think. I knew about the cold when I was in Copenhagen and, and I knew that it was going to be colder than, you know, where I had lived before. But I was super surprised about the fact that in the winter, the nights are incredibly long and in the summer, the days are very long. And so you don't, yes. there, were, there were times when we would go out in Copenhagen over the summer and, you know, it was daytime when we went to, to the club and then when we went out, it was daytime again. So we never even saw the night. So yes. were, there, were there things that surprised yes. you about going to Scandinavia? I love it. I love getting yeah. out. So like three in the morning, it's like ah, you can hear the birds chirping. It's like <laughs> it's also a little bit concerning in, in, in summer when you've been out drinking that long. But right. it's fun. 
everyone can see uh, how you look. But, uh... <laughs> there's, no, there's no hiding from that. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, that's definitely something I'm still getting used to. Um, it's really, I, ha- I have a really poor perception of time now <laughs> because I always think it will be like 6 p.m., but it's 10. So yeah, something that that's I'm tough. getting used to, but it's uh, definitely a good thing in my eyes. It's It makes the summer days last so long. So in, in the UK, the drinking age is 18 and in the US is what, 21? Right. Yes. In Denmark, you can, you can go to the supermarket and buy... Fairly strong alcohol at the age of 15. <laughs> right. and, uh, I was at a party where, there, for some reason, a lot of 15, 16 year olds. Let, let's not get into details. Right. That. We won't ask. <laughs> I played for a football team for people that were much younger. It's not the point. But they were all drinking large amounts of alcohol. At, right. Like, it was totally illegal. It was completely. Yeah, that, that was the biggest surprise, I think. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, it was. It, it's crazy to see how different. Alcohol, like the people treated alcohol in Copenhagen. You know, right. it wasn't uh, when I when I went to college in the U.S. It was this kind of like glorified thing that people go for all the time, and it's like a risk you take because you're not 21. But mm-hmm. I saw, you know, as, as Henry was saying in his party that we're not going to inquire into, that yeah. I saw in the in the metro. I remember seeing young kids, you know, definitely younger all than me, the time just the drinking beer, super chill, just like yeah. literally drinking, having a good time with their friends. Right, and I just I can imagine that if I had done this at 15 in the U.S., someone. I feel like an adult would for sure come up Correct. to me and be like, Correct. what do you think you're doing? You're too young. I know that someone would come up to me and scold me for it for sure. For sure. Yeah, yeah, that's not a surprise. So, you know, I mentioned the weather in the, <laughs> the previous question, but I, I feel like everyone has this perspective of Scandinavia being kind of like a postcard, a Christmas postcard of right. just like snow and like a little cabin and then like, you know, candle and through the window still. I, I actually thought that the winter was not terrible. Like, I, I lived in Missouri for four years, five years, and it, I would say it's comparable to that. It was, was the transition to kind of a northern climate situation uh, a big shock? Uh, I think you were quite lucky that you, you, you probably skipped a, a okay winter, or you skipped a bad winter there when you first came on. Yeah, it sounds like it, because a lot of people complained about it, and they said, you know, this, wasn't, this isn't the norm. I mean, it's it's only like in pockets that it, that it's bad. You get like five days where it's awful and it's like minus ten, and then the rest it's mm-hmm. it's just rain and dryness, right? So it's right, it's yeah, that bad. I, I think what was difficult for me is that I'm all Juan. You know, I'm from the Midwest, so I experience yeah. horrendous winters. But mm-hmm. I do not go outside in the winter, and if I'm going outside, <laughs> it's for two seconds to go into my car but the difference is is that i was riding my bike here so i felt oh my god really yeah. feel that cold i that cold don't weather, think yeah. i would ever ride my bike in chicago everyone would be like are you insane so <laughs> but but it never gets part of the culture exactly so that's why yeah. i feel like the winters for me feel a little bit brutal is because i ride my bike so i really feel like wow it's cold um right. and we'll get into yeah, this. it's not that it's much different yeah it's, it's not that, that bad outside yeah yeah, because I, I think, and we'll get into this bike culture in a sec, but I think it, it's kind of exaggerated because everyone just thinks that Scandinavia is kind of this North Pole kind of place, but it's actually not bad at all. Right, yeah. Um, so, so let's uh, take a quick break and we'll be back soon. Okay, everyone, welcome back for our next segment of the show. I'll start by playing a game called Lightning Round. I started playing that in my first episode, and it involves me saying a phrase or word, 
and Agnes and Hendrik reacting with one word. You can only react with one word. So we'll start with Agnes first, and then Hendrik will answer. Okay. So cool. the, fir- the first phrase is Hugi. Candles. Hendrik? Uh, 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 oh, shit, I'm panicking here. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, like a, a dark beer. That, I know that's two words, but like a dark beer. Okay, perfect. So for, for our, for our non-Danish non friendly listeners, Agnes, could you explain what Hugate means? Um, okay, maybe Henrik can come in and help with this, but I think that, I think from my understanding, it's uh, like a cozy feeling with friends or maybe a cozy environment, uh, like putting on warm socks on a cold day. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Is this... Henrik, what do you think of that? It's so hard for me to explain. This is the thing. English translations is it's cozy, right? But it's in Danish, it's not just like that winter blanket sort of thing, right? Right. It's about hanging out with your friends. And it's so you you could have a summer out in the garden, right? You know, you're barbecuing some stuff or whatever. That's still hookah, right? So. And, and that's kind of why, I, I, like, when I think of it, I think it's sort of like a dark beer, where it's, it's warm and it, it sort of, it's like a blanket. But it's also, it's just like, it's something you would do with a friend. It's, it's yeah. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, not, I, cozy's the wrong word. And it, it's, okay. It, it's Agnes, Agnes, it feels like everything you thought about Denmark just crafts on you. No, no, <laughs> I, I, I know what he meant because I've heard it used in so many different situations, but I feel that I can never, I'm never able to define it. I'm not sure Danes fully get it either, right? It's, it's like they, they right. use it a bit, a bit too often. It's like, oh, this is Hugo. It's like, ah, is it? <laughs> right, right. Okay, so next word is bicycles. Uh, broken. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, freedom. Yeah, in, in Copenhagen, as you don't know, Copenhagen is a city of bikes. Every, you know, cars are strongly discouraged from, from being driven around, and, and everyone, basically everyone, owns a bike. Um, and I think Agnes broke it. Probably bike <laughs> had a few technical problems along right. the way. Yeah. <laughs> I, I always am running into some issues, but that's because I can be a bit reckless. Yeah, a little bit. Yes, a little bit. <laughs> Next word is uh, prices of drinks in Copenhagen. Way too expensive. <laughs> Painful. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. Actually, I, I, I'll just comment on this though. Compa- now that I've lived here so long, I've lived here what mm-hmm. six years. Going back to London, it's like wow, beer's really cheap. So really? I'm I'm now I'm now so in like the price of beer is normal here. The price of alcohol, price of a cocktail. So you girls went and it's like living like kings. It's amazing. The US, I definitely was surprised to see that I could afford to buy yeah. you know, a 30 pack of beer, which is not even sold. I don't think they sell 30 packs in Denmark, but it was far more affordable than right. anything I ever bought when I would live there. Right. Okay, so our next race is, or where is 7 Eleven? Fancy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like six packs. Six packs of beer. That, that, that's the only thing I associate with 7-11. Well, you have to understand, though, Henrik, that 7-Eleven in the U.S. is a different store. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I have a friend who's visiting this weekend. I kid you not, just yesterday we walked past 7-Eleven. She said, why is that 7-Eleven so nice and modern? Because it is normally thought of as... They're all amazing here. Yeah, they're yeah. all, like, nice and clean. Don't eat their food, though. I've made that mistake. Yeah. Like... <laughs> 
Yeah, painful next day. But no, six, six packs of beer. That, that's the only reason I go in that shop. I even bring up 7-Eleven because I just, I was shocked as Agnes of the fanciness and I also thought it was like freaking everywhere. I mean, you couldn't turn a corner and you couldn't, you would see a 7-Eleven. Very true. And then the last word is Christiania. Weed. Weed, yeah. <laughs> There's so much more to this oh, place, of right? Course. It, yeah, it's yeah. really nice. And actually, they, they've been cracking down on like uh, the weed sellers right. crazy, yeah. like crazy the last sort of what, two months. So yeah. they're not even there anymore. But it's, it, it's, it's like this hippie wonderland, right? You oh, walk right. through and there's the houses that look like they've been cobbled together with whatever bric-a-brac they found in the back of the car. Exactly. But it's beautiful. And, and then Pusher Street, which is where, it's a great name, it's the main street where you get all the, the people selling weed and they got masks on. That, that, that's like a, yeah, that, 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 that's what it's famous for, but that's not the real magic of the place. In my opinion. Right, I, I agree. Yeah, Definitely I agree with that. Agree. Yeah. So for those that don't know what Christiana is, it's like a, a small city within a city, I guess it's the best way to describe it. And it, it's kind of, I mean, it's kind of sketchy the first time you go, I would say, but you soon learn to find its charm. And uh, up, up until recently, from what I hear from Henrik, you, they, to some level of legality, could sell uh, weed in there. So you, people would just go in there and buy it and smoke it in there. And then you literally walk a block out and then you're back in Copenhagen. So it was a right. small, a small city within a city there. Okay. So... Let's, let's move on to the next question. Uh, when I arrived in Copenhagen, I remember struggling a bit to meet Danes and befriending them. And this mm-hmm. is in no way a criticism of them. I, I ended up with more than my fair share of Danish friends, but I thought it was hard to get into Danish society as a foreigner. Uh, do you guys think this is an experience many others has, have? Uh, yeah, I do. Uh, because I've bonded about it with uh, many people and to some extent experienced it myself. Uh, as of right now, I've been in in Denmark for around a year, but I think I only have one close friend who's Danish. Most of my, mm-hmm. fr- the friends that I made are other internationals, whether they be from Europe or America or anywhere in the world. Um, because what I always say is I think Danish people are so incredibly friendly and nice, but they're not necessarily wanting to be your friend right away. I think, yeah, uh, I agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're super sweet, but I think you have to work a little bit to earn it. Yeah. yeah. What do you think of this, Henrik? Uh, I, I agree. I'm like, I, I have Danish friends, but it's I sort of fell into those friendships rather than um, they, they weren't exactly forthcoming. I think one of the issues with, so I went to university in Denmark with a whole lot of Danes, right? Mm-hmm. What I found interesting is that Danes still, their main friend group is the guys that they go to high school with. Even when they're like 26, 28, whatever, right? Their main mm-hmm. friend group is those people for the last, when they're still 15, 16, 17. Right. I totally agree because um, my boyfriend is uh, 25 years old and his core group of friends are all from childhood. So I totally agree with that. It seems to me that it's not even, you know, it's not, as we said, it's not a matter of unfriendliness. It's just they've grown up with these people. So they kind of just keep going with them and they right. don't, you know, if someone arrives randomly, great, but you're going to have to kind of work to get into that friend group. It's not just everyone gets a free ticket to come in. Yeah. And I feel like it's a bit, it's a bit, I don't know if this is the right way to phrase it, but I feel I get a vibe sometimes that it's like, I, I, you're very nice, but I already have my friends. Like, I'm good. Yeah, that's true. I'm yep. set already. Yeah, you might be right there. <laughs> <laughs> so we talked a bit about the metro before and the bikes, um, but, you know, Copenhagen is pretty proud about the fact that they're on their way to eliminating the usage of cars overall. And 
can you guys talk a bit about how transportation in the city works? I mean, we've talked about bikes and, and, and metro, but how, is it all interconnected? How does it all work? I find it to be extremely efficient. Um, for me, I mean, Juan, you know, in yeah. America, public transport mm -hmm. is non-existent, virtually mm -hmm. non-existent unless you live in New York. Yeah. Um, pretty much living in every big city, you, it's, you basically need to have a car, um, especially if you're in a smaller town. Correct. Will, With no buses. Right. Anything, yeah. that buses don't even exist. So for me, it's I comparing to what I know, I think it's extremely efficient. I'm shocked all the time at how clean they are. Uh, the buses, the trains, the metro. Uh, they have a really nice futuristic look, in my opinion, just because <laughs> the trains in Chicago. I don't think they've changed since 1965. Uh, so <laughs> for me, I think it's just great. Henry, what do you think of it? Uh, I don't really see a need to have a car in Copenhagen. Um, I, 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 I've never driven in Copenhagen in the six years I've lived here, which says a lot, right? Yeah, it really does. I mean, in the US, I, you couldn't really go a day or two without driving never. anywhere. Never, yeah. yeah. In, you know, in the summer, I remember leaving work, leaving class, and heading to the park near Norport. I think it was called Rosenborg, and just chilling with friends, drinking beers, and, you know... I saw every, everyone I saw around me was kind of in the same mood. And I couldn't help but think one of those times I was like, man, I, I can't imagine this being in a tailgate in the U.S. or, you know, a, a more like an open drinking environment. I feel like people here are so composed. I mean, they brought their picnic bags. They had like trays of cheese and ham and like all these amazing <laughs> things. And I was just like, wow. I mean, I, you know, not, not to be critical of the U.S. because you guys know I'm the U.S.'s biggest fan. But yeah. I'm just thinking, how, how does that work out where, it, you know, drinking culture in Denmark is so much more relaxed? I don't know whether it's necessarily more. Uh, I, I've n I've never been to a tailgating thing, uh, for better or for worse. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think in in Denmark, you do have people that drink way too much. You do have kids that that do dumb stuff when they're drunk, right? Uh, it, it, particularly, you just had like all the school leavers come out and drinking large amounts of alcohol in the, in that same park in the Kongshall, right? Mm -hmm. But I. I guess, I, I don't know if, it, I, I can't really compare to the US, but I don't know if there's a significant difference to the UK in terms of, of, of drinking culture, really. It's, whereas in the US, because it's 21, you're an adult, and, but yet you still can't drink. So there's that sort of weird, you feel like you're an adult, but you're not allowed to drink. Whereas in Denmark, you don't have that issue, right? So yeah, that's, that's not, a way to see it. White has much of a culture shock when you're legally allowed to drink anymore, right? Yeah, that, that's true. That's a good way to put it. I mean, you, you don't need to do it anymore. You're 21. Yeah. Agnes, do you have anything to add? Yeah, well, I will add, to touch on the fact, um, because I believe you also asked, you know, how it's, it's possible that it doesn't create chaos. Yeah. I think it's just also a bit of a sense, and I feel like this is also applied to a lot of factors of life in Denmark is a sense of freedom with responsibility. Yes. If, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, I feel like people are very free, but they follow the rule. If you, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I, I completely think that, agree. Completely right, agree with like that. Like, you know, people are very open and do what they want, and, uh, but they do it in a way that's respectful because they know that that's just the way things are. And if they want to keep things nice, then it has to be done a certain way. But so, and, and it's also a sense of trust, I feel like. 
Yep. Yeah, society is well trusting of each other. Okay, so let's take another quick break and we'll be right back with our last segment. Welcome back, everyone. Um, and we'll be talking to Agnes and Henrik about how Copenhagen and Scandinavia work. And I think that we've concluded that Denmark and Scandinavia are, for the most part, pretty unique compared to the rest of the world. What do you guys think makes this a reality? And Henrik, you can start off and then we'll follow with Agnes. Uh, high tax, right? Uh, <laughs> genuinely, I think that, that that's, it's quite a leveler, right? Because if everyone earns vaguely the same income, for the most part, I think that levels things out. And then in, in, in Denmark, we have this sort of unique concept of what's called Jentelon, right? Mm-hmm. Um, where I think in English it's sort of called like tall poppy syndrome, where you're not, people aren't allowed to think that they're better than anyone else. Um, so you only get the sort of, the people that are desperate to be sort of, greedy banker sort of wolf of wall street style that are, are going out buying expensive cars everyone else just gets a normal sort of standard estate car if they need a car or, or you know i i've seen um the ceo of one of the largest banks in Copen- in denmark or in scandinavia he's just cycling to meetings and that's right. the sort of the fact that everyone from the guy that earns the most to the you know, the, the guy in minimum wage basically doesn't have that different a lifestyle. I mean, of, of course, there, there are some sort of differences, but I, I, I think that's quite important. Yeah, I think that's what, you, what, your point, what your point comes off is that, yeah, sure, I mean, their bank accounts may be very different, but I think their everyday routine is not drastically different despite their socioeconomic differences. In the U.S., you, you know, CEO or any part, you know, all the parts of Europe, even, you see... Uh, CEOs and the lowest paid employees have very different life outcomes, uh, especially compared to a place like Denmark. Uh, what do you think of all this, Agnes? Right. I mean, I totally agree. And I feel like I saw, I experienced this myself, um, both at school and in the workplace. I feel like with the relationship we had with our teachers, uh, it was really casual. It was very like, you're my friend, yeah, you're not was. superior yeah. than me. I address you by your first name, which mm-hmm. all, actually felt a little bit awkward for me. It did too. Yeah, not to I say agree. Mr. or Mrs. or Professor. Yeah. Um, it felt like more like an aide as opposed to um, a superior figure. And uh, also in the workplace, um, I feel like, um, you know, the intern can approach the CEO. And it's not a No big problem. Deal. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, no, that, that's, that is a pretty good commentary on the schooling part of it, because I, I also found it weird. And it was, it was like almost like they were my friends outside of my teachers. And I was like, well, that's just odd from, from my point of view. But I, I quickly got into that routine and it actually benefited my schooling, you know. Right, of course. So, you know, Agnes and I studied in Denmark, as we were saying, and I met a, a, few, a few of my Danish friends uh, told me that they would have a monthly stipend paid for by the government that they would receive while they were going to school. And in some cases, that meant that they didn't have to work or anything like that, which is a huge contrast to many other parts of the world. How do we think that that kind of that system where students can focus exclusively on education uh, contribute to the kind of well-functioning Danish state? And, and Agnes, if you want to go first, and then Henrik can follow. I mean, I just think it, it, it allows everyone to have a chance 
right? Because I feel like some of the problems uh, within the U.S. is some people don't get the chance at an education because they can't afford it. And then it's uh, a cycle that continues. But when everyone has it, that chance, you have a well-educated society. And I don't know. I mean, I've. it's very rare for me to come across uh, poverty in Denmark. I feel like it's it's such a, you know, wealthy Right. Well-educated yeah. society. And mm-hmm. it gives everyone that chance. And I mean, just for example, I think um, something that surprised me is my boyfriend. His mother actually, uh, you know, was had a baby and had already one baby and was pregnant while she was studying to be an architect. And although that's possible in the U.S., I just feel like it would be almost nearly impossible with all of your expenses, with how expensive an education is on top of having children. So I feel like it just gives, it gives everyone a chance. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. It's so, so the, you get about 5,000 Krona for this stipend, right? Which is what, $800. And then university on top of that is free. Uh, There's some economic arguments for why that stipend probably isn't necessarily a good idea, but just the fact that there's free education, forget the stipend for a minute, that in itself is super important because I think it, it gives any, anyone an opportunity to, to go to university. Having said that, you talk about it being a sort of well-old society. Uh, if you look, I think it's on today's uh, New York Times, there's an article about how Denmark has severe issues with um, immigrate or anti-immigration legislation, right? Yeah, I did see that actually. Mm. I did see that about did, did you uh, read particular the neighborhoods. And, mm-hmm. so yeah. and they're, they're creating very strong laws against uh, certain uh, groups of people, particularly sort of Muslim immigrants. So whilst it's, there's a sort of a veneer of well-functioning society, there are some, particularly in, this, in the government, where it's not actually that free uh, in in some ways, it's great if you're a middle class white, uh, you know, from, from that sort of background. Right. Your life your life is pretty good here, and everyone has a pretty good lifestyle. But I I, I just sometimes take issue with the sort of the, I guess it's a stereotype that it mocks perfect, right? Yeah. Yeah, I can see that, and it's—I mean, we definitely saw that when we were there. It's just—I yeah. I look at that; those problems exist in every country. Those kind of like, uh, you know, I, I don't want to say hidden racism because in some parts it's kind of very open. But yeah. I look at the fact that you know Denmark manages. Yeah, of course they have that problem, but they also manage to do all these other things. So yeah, absolutely not. Like it's not perfect in any way. It's just coming from a, coming from outside of that system, looking from the outside in. You, you kind of see it, it kind of works out, you know, like at the end of the day, you keep your, your citizens educated, you keep giving them opportunity. And so you, you, there are things you need to work on, but overall it seems like a, a system that's benefiting the vast majority of things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you don't sound too convinced. Yeah. Uh, so, so this particularly, basically what the New York Times article covers is really horrifying it's something i've been following in danish politics the last few months as well and so, so actually a good example so comparison is uh trump's quote muslim ban uh where at least he had the um i don't know what the right word is but he he, he used uh security threat as a reason for 
of banning Muslims, whereas Danish politis- politicians happily use the word non-Western to describe who they are targeting with certain legislation. And so, so they're, not, they're not trying to cover up the fact that it, it, it's racism or, the, or that they're picking a certain ethnicity. They're very open about it. Whereas at least even Donald Trump thought, hang on a second, let, let's sort of cover this up with some other sort of pretense for, for right. punishing Muslims. Um, it sounds to me like we're going to have to have another podcast episode where we talk about the issues in Denmark. Because <laughs> I, I, that's one of the points. Because when I'm looking through these sort of notes, I'm looking, it, it all makes Denmark seem very perfect. I do want to get across right. the point that, yeah, there's some quite horrifying issues and where across the political spectrum, there is a tendency towards anti-immigration, anti-EU, um, which coming from you know, the UK, where they've just decided to leave the EU. It, it's a little bit concerning. Yeah, yeah. I, think that's, I, th- I think that's a fair uh, balanced assessment, right? Like, I, yeah. I don't mean to paint things with a, with a white brush. It's just, uh, obviously, uh, my experience was limited living there for a short, uh, short period of time, and, and Agnes somewhat more, but, you know, not, nothing like six years. And I think it's fair to have this kind of, you know, yeah, it looks great on the outside, but let's look a little deeper, and you find that there are issues. Yeah. Um, so to finish this episode, can you guys tell me your favorite place to hang out in Copenhagen and why? Um, I think that I have two places. One of them we already mentioned, and it's not necessarily the Pusher Street, but I genuinely like to spend time in Christiania just because I <laughs> think it's so cool because I, um, I did not realize how large it actually is because for the longest time I thought that it ended at the end of the pusher street and that was it. I was like, okay, well that was cool. But then I didn't realize actually how beautiful it is in terms of uh, how much nature there is to take in and see. Mm -hmm. It is so massive and so cool. And it's always my favorite place to bring people. And then I also um, love to go to either Fiskatorvet or Eastlands Brugge and swim in the canals. Great. Super Danish answer. Yeah. <laughs> Henrik, how about you, Henrik? Uh, I would say it's probably one of the beer bars like uh, Chili Pop or one of Mikola's beer bars. I, I like just being able to sit with a bottle of beer or a glass of beer in my hand in the sun uh, on the few days that we have good sun um, and, and drink with friends. That, that's, that, that's what I love doing. Yeah. That, that just made me really miss Copenhagen and I made yeah, about to cancel my life here and move back. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it for this episode of America on Tap. Thanks to Agnes and Henrik for coming in and validating that my obsession with anything Danish is very <laughs> yeah. much widely accepted. So thanks, you guys. Yeah, thank you Great. so much, Juan. If you enjoyed this episode of America on Tap, make sure you leave me a review on your podcast app of choice. Tell your friends about it and tune in next time. Cheers to having a conversation that doesn't end in an angry Twitter rant.